Welcome to T-Smack, home of the T-Smack. May I take your order? Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and I am joined this week by someone very special. He is making a long-awaited return. It is Scotty. Scotty the Sloth Man, welcome back. I am back. For <laughs> Like a sloth, I come around once in a while. <laughs> I take my time. No, it's good to be back. It's... I've been, you know, obviously recovering from surgery for a couple months and other stuff so that wasn't really up to doing much in that time. Oh yeah, you 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 didn't have surgery for most of last year though, so like we we should have figured something out to get you back on, uh, just scheduling wise and me changing jobs and everything. It just things just gr- being a grown up sucks. <laughs> I blame Lewis. Yeah, it, yeah. Let's say it's Lewis's fault. He's trying to start shit on Twitter. We need a shirt that says it's Lewis's fault. Because <laughs> he, he won't even listen to this. He won't even ever know. Hashtag it's Lewis's fault. It's true. Neither does Matt. I, like, I don't know why I have him back all the time. <laughs> well, it's because he volunteers <laughs> to come back. Uh, Lewis, I have to like twist his arm to get him on the podcast. Why the hell did I even have him on for the preview episode? I guess because he likes video games. He knows He knows what's coming up and... But I mean, Matt does that too. He doesn't play video games. He's old. (laughs) (laughs) He was just showing off his big setup on Twitter too. He's got his his old SNES and Atari 2600 and whatnot. Look how cool I am. Are you going to play any of that? Nope, I'm going to bed. (laughs) It's all for display. Pretty much. (laughs) He'll never know we're making fun of him. (laughs) Ever. Uh, I could could make a, a quick headliner bit about this, but... Maybe, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. By the time this episode comes out, everyone on Twitter and our socials should know if we did or not. Um, but we are here to talk about the new DC movie cinematic universe. Uh, I don't even know what you'd call it because they, they came out of the gate with like a united movie and TV universe plan. So like Marvel came out as a cinematic universe and it was strictly movies, which made sense. But now it's movies and TV. So it's like, it's not a cinematic universe, but they kept calling it the DC universe, but that's also the comics and also their app. So like DC needs to figure out what the hell their universe is. Everything can't be the DC universe. That's also their online or not their, yeah, their MMORPG. Yeah. (laughs) Everything can't be the fucking DC universe. Sure. Ken. I I suppose they're, they're doing it. So. It's all about the clicks, baby. DC <laughs> Universe. People are going to be looking for it online. They're going to click on something. Fair. They're going to find something. That's right. So we're going to be back talking about the DC Universe. Which one are we talking about? We'll find out. Uh, first, we're going to hear from Dan and Lou over at Casting Views. We'll be right back. I'm Dan. I'm Lou. And together we are Casting Views. An uncle and nephew chatting on random topics. Some heavy, some fun, but we aim to amuse. Don't miss out. Don't delay. Subscribe to Casting Views today. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor and Good Pods. 
And we are back. Thanks to Dan and Lou for their promo. Uh, I've, I've loved the, the last like two or three weeks of episodes they've had. They've had some really fun ones with like uh, bombastic headlines. And uh, this most recent episode they had was a really weird one about like crazy photo stories where like <laughs> they, they talk about how like newspapers out in uh, England used to print stories that were strictly told through pictures kind of like a comic book and uh like one of them is talking about how someone had an affair and they have these like girls posing in bed with like frank going like what the hell sandy and sandy's sitting in bed with the sheets covering her her bits and she's just like what are you talking about frank the guy in the bed with me is just the plumber telling away of a overly dramatic <laughs> it reminds me um pablo francisco the comedian his little bit about uh walking in and uh finding his way with someone else and just oh Fernando, mi amigo porque porque yes <laughs> he's also the guy that uh taught everyone how to do the heartbeat sound through their throat the... <laughs> yep that guy i love him he's <laughs> yes. funny i forgot about him that's a deep that's a deep cut that's back when comedy central used to show uh stand-up bits yeah stand-up sets now they're like MTV. MTV used to show music. Now they don't. Comedy Central used to show stand-up. Now they don't. Comedy Central is basically just the Daily Show in South Park. That's all you need, though. It's true. I mean, both of them bring in money. Both of them bring in clicks. So that's all you really need. It's like TLC used to be about learning. <laughs> the Learning Channel. No, I have no idea what that's about. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you what TLC has anymore. Here's Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> what the fuck am I watching? What am I learning? What am I learning Don't from this? Don't eat McDonald's. <laughs> you shouldn't have to watch Honey Boo Boo to learn that one. <laughs> I, I make know. that mistake about once every couple of weeks. because yeah, The McRib is gone now, so my, <laughs> my vice is gone. Um, it's over with. This is supposed to be in the preamble before the ad. Why are we still doing this? Are we avoiding talking about the DC universe this badly? Oh, no. I just only know about, you know, half of the fucking things. Which is classic James Gunn. It that's, is. That's one thing that I was I was going to bring up, so maybe I'll just bring it up now, is the, this really feels like a weird mix of James Gunn compromising along with, like, the corporate model for success. Because he's like, here's your Batman, here's your Superman, here's your Green Lantern. Now let me go play with my toys, which are the creature commandos, Amanda Waller, uh, the authority and uh swamp thing, which swamp thing's kind of a, a middle ground. Like, I don't think he's exactly, he's more maybe cult status where people yeah. are aware of him, but not everyone is like, Oh, I know all about swamp thing. Like they would say about like Superman. I agree. I mean, I think, you know, he's had a movie before too. Was that back in the eighties or something like that? Yeah. He had two, one with Heather Locklear in it. Yeah. I, I think he's a little bit more, if you're looking at like the unknowns, he's, He's D-list. Everything else is like Z-list. I have no idea who the hell these guys are. Yeah, you're you're getting into like double letters. Like he, these guys are like double Z letters. Yeah, like I've heard of the Authority, like in passing. There's a really good recent Superman comic, uh, Superman versus the Authority, which is isn't that? Uh, didn't they make that DC movie, like the animated? I'm pretty sure they did, or something did similar. That. Okay, I wasn't for sure if they're the same thing because I never know a DC. I'm more of a Marvel person, if I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I mostly am, too. Uh, I think the movies do play a big part in swaying me that way because hashtag capitalism. <laughs> but I mean, there, there there is still a lot of really good stuff in DC, which we will get into. But 
Uh, we're going to go through this announcement by announcement. So James Gunn came out co-create head creative at DC. Now um, he came out and gave this list of movies on January 31st. I shouldn't say movies of properties that they're going to be turning into TV shows and movies. And uh, so we're just going to go through each one as he brought them up. Uh, first, we got Creature Commandos, which, again, as we said, I didn't even know this was a thing. Like, I thought this sounds like something from the 80s when they're just trying to make really long toy commercials. You know, honestly, that could be of the gag with it, though. Like, just make it like a super 80s theme, like a theme song and everything. <laughs> Do it, Creature Commandos. <laughs> well. I might watch it, honestly, because of that alone. <laughs> that, that does have a good hook to it. Uh, so the, the description that James Gunn gave out with this, uh, this is all from The Hollywood Reporter as well. Uh, a seven-episode animated series written by James Gunn that is already in production, originally a team of classic monsters assembled to fight Nazis. This is a modern take on the concept. The voice actors have yet to be cast but the executives are looking for people looking to find people who can voice the animated characters and also portray the live action versions when the anti-heroes show up in movies and series. So that's one thing that um, I think James Gunn has really had going forward with this universe that they were planning out is he wants people who are okay with doing voice work for TV shows. Cause animation is, is kind of a big thing for DC always has been kind of always will be. Yeah. They, they do a very good job at that. So one of the things that Marvel has been running into is either scheduling conflicts or people who are just like, I'm not a voice actor. I don't want to do this mainly with like their what if series. This is something where I think James Gunn is trying to get a leg up on Marvel where like it's consistent throughout, but sometimes screen actors just can't do voice work. We've talked about this on other episodes uh, like Dennis Quaid in Strange World, that wasn't necessarily like the greatest performance ever, but it was a performance, I guess. So good to see that. It's very much fine. Yeah, that's a very good description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've toyed with doing a, a bonus episode to review it just to kind of give a little exposure to it because it, it it's a movie I think that's worth watching at least once but it's not anything that you're going to be like, oh, this is my favorite movie ever. So it's no Puss in Boots, The Last Wish? No. Which was fantastic, by the way. Got to plug that every time because it's Oscar-worthy. <laughs> it's, it's, Oscar it's in the Shrek verse, which is superior <laughs> to both the Marvel and DC universes. Wow, high praise. Okay, okay. My boy Puss in Boots, you know. <laughs> Taking one home for the Shrek verse. So Creature Commandos, yeah, that... that... Uh, they released a kind of a screenshot of the lineup that they have too, which uh, if you remember from James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, there's a character in there called Weasel played by his brother. Um, what? Sean Gunn. Sean Gunn. Yes. Thank you. Weasel's in the Creature Commandos as well. So I'm wondering if that's going to be like a loose tie in to the Suicide Squad. Now, has he mentioned anything about like continuity wise? I didn't actually get to watch the presentation. I was at work. I think I was at work. I don't know what I was doing. Who knows? But <laughs> smoking heroin, whatever. You know me. Do you I smoke heroin? Ask. I don't know. I believe you inject that, Josh, but I'm no expert. Okay. I mean, I only do the. I, mean, I draw a line of cocaine. Okay, I don't anything <laughs> harder than that. I just can't do it. I still love that bar story. Maybe we'll throw that in as a post credits. We'll have you retell that story. Oh God. Um. So as far as the continuity goes, is from what I understand, everything in this announcement lineup is within the new DC universe. 
and then things like the Batman Joker and whatever other projects they might have working and uh, going through right now, which may include Shazam may include the flash may include Aquaman. Um, what else? Blue beetle. All those are kind of like on the fence from what I understand. If they do yeah. well, then they'll be like, Oh yeah, these guys are in, in the DC universe. If they're not, they're going to put it under their Elseworlds banner. Yeah, I knew that. I was wondering maybe wise, like is did Suicide Squad continuity wise take place in the same universe? I'm assuming it will because I mean James Gunn with John Cena and apparently Peacemaker doing season two of that. So I know I don't know if the next property announced was Waller, but I know from what I've read it takes place in between the seasons of the Peacemaker. So I'm assuming Peacemaker and Suicide Squad, all that took place in the Who knows? I have no idea. They have a lot of explaining to actually do. Well, let's let's get into Waller here real quick, because I have the description here. In a spinoff of Gunn's own HBO Max hit series, Peacemaker, there you go, it takes place within the Peacemaker okay. slash the Suicide Squad universe. So that's all the kickoff for DC Universe, really, I guess. Viola Davis will return as the ruthless and morally ambiguous head of a government task force. It's written by Crystal Henry from Watchmen and Jeremy Carver, the creator of the Doom Patrol TV series. Okay. I like Viola Davis as well, or she's fine. I mean, so it's, I'm glad she's just on board to keep doing it, I guess. Yeah. She's a great carryover. I mean, she brings some gravitas to the role and she also just like brings some legitimacy to this project that they're trying to do. So I'm not opposed to her returning. Um, and it kind of makes sense within a, a multiverse. There are going to be people that will look similar to each other. So it's not a big deal one way or the other. Um, I know Alex will take umbrage with the idea that the Suicide Squad is part of this universe because he doesn't like the Suicide Squad. I think it's fine. I didn't. I I thought the the weird side track with Harley Quinn just going off on her own adventure was kind of unnecessary. But Harley's a big draw, so yeah, you're going to give her a moment to shine, and that's what they did with that. I, I mean, I actually enjoyed Suicide Squad for what it was. It wasn't like. I went in with low expectations, but James Gunn, you know, I was like, ah, it'll probably be pretty good. I mean, I ended up liking it. I mean, who doesn't like a King Shark that's just IQ of five, but he's lovable and he eats people. It's, <laughs> it's fine. Everything's good. For for what the movie is, yeah, King Shark is okay. I, I prefer a, a better King Shark that's sentient. Like the Harley Quinn TV series, I can live without, but I think the King Shark they have in there is really funny. And uh, so is Bane. I don't know if you've watched that at all. I have not. I've been wanting to. I would recommend it just for Bane. Um, he only shows up like maybe once every other episode, but for the most part, he's hilarious. Like he he's a, he's a complete like step stool for everyone. Like they just walk all over him. He's like, I brought cupcakes. He has the the um, oh god the, yeah yeah he has the the Dark Knight Return Dark Knight <laughs> Rises voice so yeah it's it's just it's great so he's he's a joke and it's it's just hilarious like in the most recent season he's like uh, holding a grudge against Harley and Ivy because Ivy was supposed to get married to someone and then she realized she had feelings for Harley so they broke off the wedding and he's like I want my toaster back. <laughs> And he's just like hounding them, waiting for them to apologize for not returning his toaster. I thought they watched that. That sounds great. I love making fun of Bane anyway, so it's... Yeah. It's not my most favorite thing ever, especially the first episode. The first episode is like, we're going to swear 
every other word to let you know that we're going to swear. You don't need to do that to really get that point across, but okay. But I, everything else in that show is a lot of fun. I, I, I'm i not a huge fan of Haley Cuoco as Harley, but I get why you don't have Tara Strong or Arlene Sorkin come back with the accent. It's kind of like what they're doing with Mario, listening to that accent for 30 minutes to however long, if you're binging it, is going to be a chore. So you you want to tone down the accent a little bit just to kind of make it more bearable to listen to on extended viewings. Anyway, tangent over again. <laughs> it's like we're supposed to be talking about one thing, and then it's just like, oh, there's other, there's more things that we know about, and we'll talk about. At least about we're them. keeping it DC. It's true. That's fair. Uh, so, Superman Legacy, the movie featuring the Man of Steel that Gunn is writing and may direct, although no commitments on that have <clears throat> have been made. That's all conjecture by the Hollywood Reporter. While the two previous titles are meant to be aperitifs i'm not i don't know uh in seraphin's word the other co-ceo of dc right now uh superman is the true kickoff uh, for the duo's dc universe plans it's not an origin story it focuses on a superman balancing his kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing he is the embodiment of truth justice and the american way he is kindness in a world that thinks that kindness is old-fashioned and this one actually has a release date of july 11th 2025 which is all tentative. They There may be casting or directing changes that cause all this stuff to just get completely pushed back. And it's DC, so who the hell knows? Like, they, <laughs> after what, or just before Batman v Superman came out, they just were like, there's going to be a Nightwing movie. There's going to be a Batgirl movie. There's going to be a Swamp Thing movie. There's going to be a Dark Justice League Dark movie. There's going to be a Zatanna movie. They're just listing everything, trying to build up hype. And you get a movie. You get a movie. Yeah, and they even like cast or they hired directors and screenwriters, and then just you never heard anything about it. Yeah, honestly, for this one, the Superman, I, you know, I'm not the biggest Superman fan. I mean, I did like Henry Cavill as Superman. Batman vs Superman was hot garbage, but that, sorry, Snyder fanboys, but <laughs> Zack, Zack Snyder is just let's be mopey, Ugh. emo Superman. I don't like. I like Henry Cavill was great. I thought he he looked good. He fit the bill. Man of Steel was actually pretty pretty decent for you know a Superman movie. I actually enjoyed it. Most of the time I sat there and was like, I hate Superman. I think he's a boring character. But Cavill actually invested me a little bit in it with Man of Steel. It's going to be interesting to see who they cast if they go a little bit younger. Because I know from everything I've seen, they want to cast a little bit younger. That way they can play in the next 10 plus years, you know, whatever they need to do. I'm glad they're not doing the whole origin story again. I don't want to see Pa Kent get murdered by a tornado, which was, <laughs> which was just a great idea. Yep, yep. Yeah, die by tornado. Okay. <laughs> Save you, right? No, it's good. Just let me die. <laughs> we can't let these 12 people know you're Superman or you have powers. Yeah, no. The, the, I, this is like the number one thing that I'm so happy about with James Gunn taking over this is that one, there's a plan, and two, it just kills the Snyderverse. Like, I know there's a few holdovers with the potential for Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, and uh, we have confirmation that Viola Davis is coming back. So, like, all these Snyderverse carryovers are happening, but they're going to be handled in a way that is going to be more approachable to most people who don't just, like, grim, dark, edgelord bullshit. And I, I like the idea of having a, a Superman who's going to be Superman- just from the get-go and the idea of him 
finding a balance between his human upbringing and his Kryptonian heritage, I think is kind of weird because they, they have said that it's going to be inspired by all-star Superman by uh, Grant Morrison, which is a great book, but it's largely like an end to Superman's story. So it's, it's a weird balance of like good story, but it's a death of Superman kind of story as well. So if it's taking inspiration yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to adapt something 100% directly, but it's it's also a little weird that you're like, yeah, let's adapt this story that's about Superman dying. I don't know. I, I haven't read the comic at all, so it's I can't really say anything about it. But I mean, it's, as long as they just give us not like a the, the mopiness of what we need him, like from the Justice League Unlimited cartoons, you know, like yes. Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, that's Superman I want to see. Just like he's positive. Yeah, like there's moments of doubt, but like, that's where like he snaps right back to it because he remembers everything he stands for. That's kind of what I want to see. I may cut this into the, the end of the episode after the the music ends, but there's a really great monologue he has in like the, the last or second to last episode of justice league unlimited, where he talks about how he lives in a world of cardboard and he has to be careful every second of every day is to make sure he doesn't hurt someone or lose control. And it's such a great glimpse into like, the mental strength of Superman because you don't think of that sort of thing. Like with the Supergirl TV show, one thing that has bothered me with like any modern interpretation of Superman or Supergirl for that matter is modern technology is all like touch screen and everything. And, and Superman and Supergirl really shouldn't be able to just be typing angrily or like getting frustrated on their phones. Cause they would snap them. They would break them in, just like the smallest fit of rage. And there's a scene very early on in the Supergirl show where she's on her iPhone texting angrily. And I'm like, her screen would be destroyed. Yeah. It's just a little things makes it nice. Yeah. And like, you can't have someone be relatable doing that. And so I kind of get it, but it also adds to the character. It gives you an understanding of what they have to go through just to try and present themselves as human, as yeah, because we tend to forget just because they look like, you know, you and me, they're alien. So, I mean, it still would be a foreign concept for them. Like, oh, I got to be gentle on smashing my iPhone, finger through the iPhone. That'd be hilarious. Like, one of those things would just, like, humanize them a little bit more. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> Oops. That just, I don't know. I, I like that idea. Even something small like that is would be neat to see. And it, it raises other, other questions because, like, holding a fork even even like a, a titanium fork to them probably feels like a straw to us so you, you have to be so careful to, to just touch it and hold it so like there, there's potential with a, a new superman and a new, new interpretation of it superman cutting a steak cuts <laughs> right through the plate like mr incredible I, I had that thought when i was trying to make a comparison i was thinking about the fork i'm like i could just say like mr incredible but even mr incredible is like putting a little effort into the cut where superman literally can just take it and whoosh, well, I mean, I guess he has to deal with the physics of the fork and the knife as well. So there's little things here and there, but yeah. But James Gunn is writing it. So I think we have at least the idea of a good tone because for the most part is Guardians movies. They have a good heart to them and they're very they're fairly lighthearted. I do think that there could be potential for diving a, a bit too deep into the grimdark stuff because he does have that. What is it? Bright? Is that what if evil yep. Superman story did he about like directed or did he produce that i one? think he wrote and produced it yeah i don't remember 
but the the idea is still like clearly buried in his head of like what if it what if superman but evil origin so like that there's i mean there's always concern but and there's never going to be a, a definitive or i shouldn't say a definitive like a perfect interpretation because there's so many things that go into making a 120 to 150 minute movie so there's there's always going to be shortcuts taken uh, but yeah. let's keep going because we're only three deep and we got more to go that's what she said <laughs> next on the list is lanterns which will be the replacement for greg berlanti's uh green lanterns tv series that he was working on uh so greg berlanti is now officially done with dc properties after uh, the flash wraps up this year and to go into the thr description of lanterns in the place of berlanti's green lantern series to quote uh I can't, I don't want, I don't want to say it's Peter Safran. I can't remember. Um, I think so. Not James Gunn. Our vision for this is very much in the vein of true detective. It's a terrestrial based true detective drama. It will feature prominent lantern heroes, Hal Jordan and John Stewart. And it's one of the most important shows they have in development. This plays a really big role in leading into the main story. We are telling across film and TV. Interesting. So they they did confirm, or James Gunn did confirm in the video that this will take place on Earth, or at least in the Earth district within the Green Lantern Corps, which I think is kind of it's it's playing too close to the vest. I think kind of like Thor, where they did Thor Earth based in Thor one and Thor two, and everyone's like Thor's Thor is a, an extraterrestrial being; he can go anywhere. And then they did Thor Ragnarok and Hey, everyone loved it because it wasn't set on earth for too long. I think interesting the when he, when he says the whole true crime thing instantly, I know Kyle Rayner's not part of it, but always go to the girlfriend in the fridge trope thing with him. So it's mm-hmm. like, are they doing that without Kyle Rayner? Like, eh, that's what I think of when they think true detective, I think of something just like morbid and stupid. I don't know. I only watched a couple episodes of True Detective. I heard the first season's really good, and then the, the two seasons after that are not quite as good. All I remember is Matthew McConaughey chain smoking. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm interested. I like the the idea of introducing John Stewart. I don't. I would have. I would rather have someone different than Hal. You can allude to Hal, but I don't think you need Hal Jordan either. I think Kyle Rayner or Guy Gardner would have been a better choice. Like maybe John's training guy. Uh, to be a new Green Lantern, or you can have Jessica Cruz be the new Green Lantern. You get a little bit more representation in that way. I, I don't mind the idea of it being a true detective story and our true detective like story. And uh, it, it apparently being like the big reveal of what this first chapter of the, the new DC universe is supposed to be about. I think it's going to be Brainiac. Brainiac invades, gets the Justice League together. Or is See, that with, with the way it. Avengers like. It, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't think that should affect their plan, especially when you could do it better. Like, they, it's not like they nailed Ultron. So God, doing, no. doing Brainiac, I think, would be a, another way for James Gunn to be like, look, look what I can do. Knowing James Gunn, though, he's probably going to pick some off the wall enemies. It's not going to be Darkseid, not going to be Brainiac. It's going to be like, who I don't even know. Just something like, wow, really? That guy? Okay, cool. 
Ooh. Yeah, I, I think with the with where this chapter ends with uh, jumping the gun with Swamp Thing, I think it's going to be something that's a little more environmentally based. So I, I, maybe it, maybe it's even just the Legion of Doom. Maybe they're they're going with something like that where it's like an anti Justice League sort of thing. And maybe Chapter Two is going to be kind of building up the the Rogues Gallery and telling a, a different perspective of a superhero movie. So I know why you want John to be training Guy. Just so he can have a line where he says, thanks, buddy. And he goes, I'm not your buddy, guy. <laughs> you found and me out. Ends. Cut to black. <laughs> because the guys at South Park sued. <laughs> End of episode one. <laughs> no, it, it, it is interesting, though, that they're doing like, oh, this is kind of like, this is where you finally see what, what's going to be going on. Like, this is where we reveal what the big thing is going to be. That's That's a pretty interesting concept. Do you think they're going to take the whole post-credit scene? That's a great question. I don't know. I I don't think that's a trope that really needs to happen. Uh, I think that's something that Marvel has really laid claim to, and it's really hard to pull off. But if anyone can do it, it's James Gunn, who's worked with Marvel for nearly 10 years at this point, or over 10 years, really, because production of the first Guardians of the Galaxy started in like 2012 with him being on board. So he he's been with Marvel since just after the Disney merger. And considering before the whole, he got fired for this joke he made 10 years ago thing. Um, he wasn't he supposed to be like taking over like the MCU cosmic after the fact, like he was going to kind of, wasn't that, that like sounds right. But I, I, I couldn't say for sure. Uh, I think that was maybe a rumor that just never really substantiated. Okay. I wasn't for sure. I know I've heard that multiple times so so let's let's move to the bottom of the toy bin here because this is another one where like yes there's a a a very prominent superman storyline with these guys but uh the authority is not a household name as described by thr a movie based on a team of superheroes with rather extreme methods of protecting the planet that originated in the late 90s under an influential imprint known as wildstorm run by artist and now head of dc publishing jim lee one of the things the DCU is one of the things of the DCU is that not it's not just a story of heroes and villains. Not every film and TV show is going to be about good guys versus bad guys. Giant things from the sky come and good guys win. There are white hats, black hats, and gray hats. They are kind of like Jack Nicholson and a few good men. They know that you want them on the wall, or at least they believe that. So this feels kind of like James Gunn again going into that bottom of the barrel suicide squad kind of thing, but maybe more of what he did with guardians of the galaxy where he, he kind of, they were, they were always pretty, pretty clean cut. Star Lord had his issues with his dad in the comics, but he was pretty much like space captain America for the most part. But now he's, he's this like rogue Han Solo type in the movies, which they've adapted into the comics now where this, I think they're just, building a team of Han Solos, essentially. It'll be interesting to see what they can do with this, just because, I mean, if anyone can make people like people you've never heard of, it's James Gunn. How much stuff of Groot did you see before Guardians 1? I, I am Groot. <laughs> yeah, not, not even people like, who the fuck is Groot? And now it's like, oh, Baby Groot, I love Baby Groot. Everyone knows Baby Groot. So, I mean, he has potential to take character of normal people who will be like, who the fuck is this person? And be like, oh, that guy's awesome. Well, that's one of the things that James Gunn clearly likes about these bottom of the toy bin kind of characters is that there is a little bit more creative license with them because 
while some schmo from the early 90s may be like Wildstorm was just the best guy ever and he's my favorite hero ever James Gunn's gonna put a twist on that and maybe make an improvement or at least make him more accessible and give him some like character upgrades and make put him into the mainstream it's it's going to be something to see because again he he did it with the guardians and he kind of did it with a few of the suicide squad guys too like starro is known starro is a big deal in dc but yeah no one in their no one in their <laughs> right mind was going to be like starro is going to be the villain of my movie james gunn clearly not in his right mind knocked that out of the park like it was creepy but funny and cool and kind of scary it, he just he he worked Starro into that story so well, and I I don't know much about the Authority. Like I said, I know about the the Superman versus the Authority comic that uh, came out recently, which is on my re- to read list on DC Universe. Which version you don't know? <laughs> just roll the dice. We'll figure out. Which one <laughs> you got a one in four chance of figuring out which version. Uh, but what James Gunn is able to do with these bottom of the bend characters i i have faith in it's what the what he's doing with the the top tier the the high shelf characters that i think i'm mostly intrigued by because again we don't know what he's going to do with them or how he's going to interpret them which leads into the next property that they're going to be working on which is called paradise lost it's going to be a game of thrones style drama set on the all-female island of themiscira filled with political intrigue and scheming between power players it takes place before the events of the Wonder Woman films, which again alludes to the idea that maybe Gal Gadot is coming back for a third movie and that her Wonder Woman maybe is in this universe as well. I never saw the second Wonder Woman because I heard it was awful. The, and the I had zero interest in watching it. The Pedro not. Pascal bit alone, I think, is worth it, but there's not much else. Like I've said this before, and anyone who's listened to previous episodes where this comes up, I think if this it it's kind of Patty Jenkins homage to 1980s and 70s superhero movies, specifically Superman. Like if this did come out, if that did come out in 1984, it would be regarded as like a masterpiece. Like, Oh, this is, yeah, it's kind of dated, but in 1984, we loved this movie. Whereas by today's standards, it's very campy and not good. <laughs> uh, the CGI, especially for uh, cheetahs, they they hide that in the in their gray scale very heavily, but it's it's very eighties. It, it has that trope I, of I might like, eventually just watch it just to watch it, but oh my god, watching anything DC has just been a pain lately. Like the Harley Quinn was a Birds of Prey, awful. <laughs> I thought that was fine. I I'm I'm I want to be Deadpool so now. bad. Let's let's just do what Deadpool does and I hope to God this pans out. Awful movie. <laughs> Now, Morbius, I, that is a masterpiece. Okay? <laughs> I, I can't even say that was a straight face. I'm sorry. I do think the Paradise Laws, it, it is an interesting concept if they can do it right. Obviously, people have that sour taste of Game of Thrones at that last season. But then House of Dragon came out and that took off really well. I mean, my wife absolutely like watched it every single week. She was loving it. So, I mean, if they did something similar and kind of set that in DC Universe, like, hey, this is what's going on. This is kind of wonder woman i mean even if you ended the season like as a with a baby wonder woman like oh okay kind of cool yeah i think paradise lost is paradise lost i think has potential but i don't necessarily like the idea of throwing turmoil into paradise island for the sake of creating drama Uh, i mean that's that's anything 
Metropolis could be a literal metropolis if not for Lex Luthor. So like I, I get it. But the the idea is that Themyscira is supposed to be a paradise until they break that barrier with the outside world with Diana. And I think the there there is there is room to work because like the the very first DC animated movie they made in like 2007 with Wonder Woman, they have Ares imprisoned on Themyscira and they have like a rotating group of guards and Ares eventually seduces one of those guards and there there's a coup and everything and he breaks out and starts tormenting the world and that's what triggers diana to go out into the world so like there there's room for stuff like that where maybe there is someone who's power hungry from another another established family that's been there just as long as hippolyta it's it's game of thrones like like they said in the description so like there's there can be pretty good political intrigue but at the end of the day it's pretty it feels pretty hollow because you know that Hippolyta has to stay in power if you want to get to Diana. Because they don't want Hippolyta to be a hypocrite. <laughs> She's a politician. It's inherent. Yeah, that's fair. If they do Aries, are they going to bring back the dude from Harry Potter? Professor Lupin. <laughs> Aries in the first one. Um, excuse me. Don't don't discredit David Thewlis like that. He's a good he's actor. The prince. Okay. He is the prince from Dragonheart. You pay respect. <laughs> You're fucking serious. No, no, How did you know? No, no. Yeah, he is the prince from the Dragonheart. Like that was a Harry Potter joke. It went over your head. Nothing goes over my head. I am Harry Potter. God damn it! You lived. It. You lived those movies. <laughs> uh, when I worked at McDonald's, uh, the Harry Potter movies had just come out, and there's a. Uh, a woman with an accent who couldn't quite say Potter. So she'd be like, Oh, it's Harry Potter. Harry Potter. I didn't even know. I didn't even get that reference. Actually. I didn't start reading Harry Potter to like 2005. Yeah. And why that, would like, you, I think they're, why on, would you want to read your own? They're like the sixth book at that point. I don't want to read it. I lived it, man. Why do I, I need to, why that. do I need to, <laughs> it was a little bit exaggerated, but you know, they just added a few things. There were, there was, <laughs> it was just about your first time trying shrooms. That's all that whole book was about. <laughs> the big guy that gave you it was Haggard. <laughs> I don't know the. I don't know who Voldemort was. Probably the guy with no nose because he doesn't have. I don't know. <laughs> the things you do and what is this drug-addled youth you're throwing into my backstory? <laughs> it's all about character development. That's what we're just doing for you, right? Developing your character. Josh was born the boy who lived. He overcame a shady youth to become a mildly unsuccessful podcaster. You're a hairy wizard. <laughs> <laughs> it fits. All DC's right. Warner Brothers, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, see? Harry Potter could be in the and, DCU. We don't know yet. And uh, just to appease Matt as well, even though he doesn't listen, and because I agree, J.K. Rowling's a turf. Fuck her. Fuck Harry Potter. And let's move on. Are you soliciting? Are you soliciting you me to you for sex? Is that what you're doing? You say fuck what? Harry Potter. I'm not Josh. I don't. <laughs> I appreciate the offer, but calm down. We're both married men. What can we do? Could be married to each other. Yeah, we get so much shit done. <laughs> Speaking of getting shit done, <laughs> Batman, the brave and the bold. 
as mentioned by James Gunn, this is the introduction to the DCU Batman, Bruce Wayne, and also introduce our favorite Robin, Damian Wayne, which shocker, Damian Wayne's James Gunn's favorite, uh, who is a little son of a bitch, which <laughs> I mean, literal and figurative. The movie will take inspiration from the now classic Batman run written by Grant Morrison and introduced uh, bat- that introduced Batman to a son he never knew existed, a murderous tween raised by assassins. It's a very strange father-son story, which I am all for this one, mostly because of what it implies, which is we have a Bat family from the get-go. So there, there should be a, an established Dick Grayson, an established Barbara Gordon, who is probably going to be Oracle by this point. Tim Drake, maybe there will be a Red Hood story. Maybe Jason Todd's already just Red Hood. Who knows? I really will. I, I really want to see Nightwing. I, I want to see Nightwing. I want to see Red Hood. Those like you could be like, yeah, these guys actually was. I'm not familiar super familiar with like the comics with this, but Lucius Fox's son was he already in the Bat Family at this point when Damien first got introduced? I believe so. Yeah he he joined up during like the Batman Incorporated. Well. I think if you if he, Batwing joined up during Batman Incorporated, that would have been a little bit after this. This Grant Morrison story introduced Damien. I'd like to um, see him eventually too, but I'm not huge on Damien just because like, jumping a little bit. But I am that does make me excited that we don't have to sit through like and wait to see other Robins. Like we're at the wait for Dick Grayson. And it's this. And it's this. It's I isn't he supposed to be Batman? Supposed to be like in his like late 30s or something like that, early 40s. Um, mid mid to late 30s at at the most um because that was one thing i was gonna bring up because he's a bit too short no i guess he was up for captain america which means he wouldn't be too short um i mean i I wouldn't hate that but uh the the idea of batman and robin existing in this universe for a while i really enjoy that and it it does beg the question of when they are going to set the batman age because like we're supposed to be getting not necessarily a Superman origin, but a younger Superman. And if he, if we're following specifically to the comics, he picks up, he adopts, I should say Dick Grayson at like age nine. Uh, he's Robin for probably five to six years becomes Nightwing moves out at eight around 18. And Tim Drake takes on after or not Tim Drake, Jason Todd, I'm sorry, uh, becomes a second Robin for a year or two, then he gets killed quote unquote, then Tim Drake. So like there there's, there's like 12 years of Batman stories that we're just jumping into. If we're following like the comic timeline. And I think that that could muddy the waters a little bit, but also like if you just say like, Oh, Dick was Robin at the age of 13. I think that cleans things up again a bit, but also it doesn't give him enough time to really become like the master crime fighter that he's supposed to be. So I I think there's some weird balancing issues that come with jumping that jumping into a bat family. But I mean, it also doesn't matter. They can just say whatever the hell they want. I'll, I'll go with it as long as it's good. Yeah. I just, the things I really want to see out of a Batman movie, which the Robert Pattinson Batman movie did do a little bit better with some of the detective stuff. I want to see him as the world's greatest detective. I don't want the same. It's got to be grounded in reality. Give me fucking Clayface. Give me something fantastical because that's the stories I grew up with. I grew up Batman the Animated Series. was my introduction to Batman. Rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. But he was, that was what I grew up with. That was why Batman was my favorite for a long time because that's what I watched. And like all the stories of just 
it wasn't like, oh, it's it's super realistic. I don't want that. Like, I, I'm tired of seeing Batman. The only thing realistic they can bring back is they can do the the voice again. I would. That's like the. It's like the one thing that I think that uh, Zack Snyder had maybe kind of the right idea going into was the voice modulator. But I also just don't get why it's so hard to have someone change the inflection of their voice just a little bit like Kevin Conroy did. It's not that difficult of an idea. No, I don't think so either. And the only other thing that that Snyder did actually pretty well was as much as I hate the Dark Knight Returns, I think it's a shit comic and a shit storyline. Might be a hot take. I don't care. I don't like it. When he had the bat armor, at least he had like the all white eyes. Yes. That was awesome. Like that was like, okay. They tried to work that into the Dark Knight as well when he had a sonar thing going on. Uh, but they ditched it pretty quickly because reasons. Um, but I, I, I would like to see like a Spider-Man and a Deadpool kind of white mask eye kind of thing. I don't know how you justify it, but I also don't care. I just, I don't want to see his eyes. I want to see a, a proper cowl. The only reason I would want to see his eyes if we get another kiss from a rose. <laughs> um, but I, I, I agree with you. I would like to see a little more out there Batman stuff, which I think James Gunn is one to do because his history with these bottom of the barrel kind of characters and the, the Damian Wayne story is also a little weird. Basically what happens is Talia Al Ghul finds out she's pregnant and she has the league of assassins take the, the embryo out and force grow Damien because she's like, he's got Bruce Wayne's DNA. He's got my DNA. This kid's going to be unstoppable. Let's get to work. And so <laughs> she, she has them. She trapped him. Batman. That's what she did. She trapped him. She trapped him. That's, <laughs> So she she puts him in the in this tube and she force grows him into a 14-year-old over the span of like 8 or 9 years. So he's a 13, 14-year-old kid with like 9 years age on him. And yeah, obviously he's going to have Shadow League of Assassins, Shadows, League of Shadows, whatever you want to call him. Uh he's going to have all that training and he uh, he doesn't want to kill especially once he finds out who his father is. So he wants to like meet Batman and meet his father. And I think there's a really interesting and good story to be told with that in a movie. It's just going to be trying not to tread on that Rachel Ghoul, Talia Ghoul storyline that we got at the first and last dark Knight movie, which again, I think James Gunn is one to lean more into the cartoony stuff as we saw with Starro with, with guardians of the galaxy. He, he made ego, the living planet, the villain of the <laughs> second guardians movie. Like, come on. Maybe there's any chance we get a court of owls. Cause I would, I, I like the court of owls storyline a lot. I know Damien was a big part of that. Uh, I'm, would... I'm not one to project. I think that might be something that they're saving for the Batman sequel, which is the next thing we're talking about. Uh, that did get slated for October, 2025. It's just going to be called the Batman part two. And this is obviously an Elseworlds story because it's not going to be part of the DCU. Uh, but Matt Reeves is returning. I believe he's also still writing the script for that one. You don't think they're going to bring back Barry Keoghan as uh, Joker? I hope not. I, I thought that Joker was so disgusting. If they do, it fits the universe. But for the most part, I'm just, I'm not into it. 
I, I think the performance is fine. The voice is fine, but the, the makeup and everything just, I know you, they really want to just emulate that Heath Ledger success, but just make him a dude with acid bleached skin. Well, you don't like the disfigurement? No, I don't like leprosy Joker. <laughs> leprosy Joker. <laughs> Watch his fingers fall off. <laughs> Sounds like a commercial for like an old cereal. <laughs> you might get lucky and find a finger in your box. <laughs> Sounds awful. Don't chew it. You can get a lawsuit and make millions. But uh, before we move into the last few projects here, um, 2025 is going to be a huge year for comic book movies. Uh, we've got, I believe the Kang dynasty is coming out in 2025 I, that may. And then we've also got Superman, the Batman part two and fantastic four. Fantastic four. That's right. Uh, Isn't so Deadpool yeah, like 20, as well? Or is that 2024? I think that got bumped to 2024. Cause I think it was supposed to come out in 2023 and they bumped it a year. No, cause that blade got moved back. Cause they're, they're not doing that. And I believe that Deadpool was like right before, right after fantastic four. Well, it's a good thing. We have smartphones. We can look this up. Deadpool three. I don't know what you're talking about. I got a flip phone. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot. You still have your Motorola razor release date, November 8th, 2024. Ah, okay. Let's see here. Cause there, there's more Marvel. projects. They haven't been announced for that year either for marvel mm -hmm. at least so and it's what superman coming out that year and batman Brave? yep uh the batman part two when's brave and the bold come out was that brave and the bold does not have a release date um, okay. these are all these I, are all part of like chapter one so probably somewhere between 2025 and 2028 is where most of these will probably release i couldn't remember which one but that, okay yeah it's gonna be a is secret wars that same year or is that 2026 Secret Wars got bumped to 2026. It was supposed to be released in the same year, but then because of like the Blade fiasco that they've got going on there, they they just decided to space it out over a year and bank in on that endgame success that they had. You don't have to save up now to buy all these tickets. Seriously. I just bought my Ant-Man tickets because that was almost sold out for the 7 o'clock show. How am I supposed to do this? Like every other week I'll be at the movies. This is ridiculous. I love it. I was talking with Ricky <laughs> actually yesterday about how I actually have like the next two months of podcast episodes planned out, but most of them are movies and half of them she doesn't want to see. And I don't like going to the movies without her, or at least I feel guilty about it. And she's like, I don't want to see cocaine bear. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see that. And like, I oh, want to see cocaine okay. bear. Well, maybe you and I have to have a mandate. We should. I want to see that actually pretty bad because it looks hilarious. I want to see 65 as well. 65 is interesting. I might have to do like a bonus episode for that one or we we like tag up an episode or something. I don't know. We haven't done a two-part episode in a while. Sure. But uh that that's enough inside baseball. Um <laughs> we got we got three more movies or series two movies and one series to get through. The next one announced was Booster Gold, which will be an HBO Max series and Sorry, again the <laughs> it's gonna be Chris. Hey, it, it, it could be. happen. James Gunn is not opposed to to bringing some of his Guardians guys back. I think that would be a little bit of a mistake. I think you would want it may not not someone Chris Pratt will be in his like early to mid forties, which I guess like Robert Downey Jr. was in his mid forties, but when he was cast as Iron Man. Um, but I think I think you still want to go a little bit younger, like 
maybe early thirties for, for a booster gold, just cause he, he needs to be established enough that the, the heroes of the future think he's dumb, but he also <laughs> needs to be young enough that he's approachable in the present day. That's very true. I joke with the Chris Pratt things cause they've talked about, he's like, I could bring Chris Pratt back. Who knows? Honestly, if Chris Pratt comes back and he's gonna be a voice of a character, it's gonna be like a short thing. Yeah, but I, I I like Booster Gold. It'd be cool if they actually incorporate if Blue Beetle does well if they kind of incorporate him. Was it him and Ted Cord really good buddies? Yes, I I'd like that. Even though Ted Cord obviously is gonna die, but spoiler. Yeah, they they've already confirmed Jaime Reyes is gonna be the the hero in blue beetle which i mean i think the suit looks amazing like yeah. it's all practical which they'll they'll touch up in in post but i think overall it looks the suit at the very least looks great which is what the internet is really focusing on with the buzz around the movie no pun intended of all the things like coming out like just looking at like i don't really care about the new extras am to be honest with you zach really has kind of left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth anyways but that's other reasons, but Aquaman, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a big Aquaman fan. I'll, I'll be looking forward to that, but I don't know what it is about that. Just seeing that blue beetle, like just seeing the costume, I was like, damn, that looks good. I hope it looks like they ripped it straight out of young justice or yeah. straight out of the comics. I'm like, if they can nail this, like this could be a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so bef- before we close the conversation on booster gold, uh, James Gunn had a great description of it, which is, imposter syndrome as a superhero which i as a podcaster that gets 30 to 60 listens per episode i have never felt more seen (laughs) is he writing thank you to everyone who listens is he writing that one too i don't think so i think he's only going to be writing like the kickoff with superman and then he's going to one of the things that they're trying to do to differentiate again from marvel is letting directors have a vision and each movie or at least each character has their own style of film. So kind of following what Marvel was doing with like phase one and a little bit of phase two, where winter soldier was like a, an espionage movie. Uh, the first Avenger was a world war two story slash Indiana Jones adventure. And it kind of what they were talking about with Dr. Strange, where it's like a horror based movie, but it's not really horror based. It's just maybe a little thriller, but that's one thing that James Gunn is trying to really drive home with this universes that they're going to let creators create and we'll see what happens because if if they find a formula that works it's hard to not have executives and higher-ups start butting in and being like follow that formula do that again okay i mean I, it just seems like booster gold be totally a james gunn thing you'd want to write uh it just screams james gunn to me i'm sorry but I, I can see it. Maybe maybe he hands it off to Sean Gunn. I, I don't know if Sean Gunn has too much uh, writing credit or if he's even actually interested in comic books. I just know he was Kirk and Gilmore Girls and he's James Gunn's little brother and he lo- James Gunn loves putting him in his projects. I think Michael Rooker will show up as someone else again. God, I hope not. <laughs> well, Nathan Fillion. I wouldn't mind seeing him again. Even though he was... Arms fall off, boy. Yeah. Which I, I still love that. Like, I just love that the arms are like just bouncing around, <laughs> just like floating, like, like the brooms at, in Fantasia or something like that. I thought that was great. All right. So penultimate entry into DC universe's chapter one, which they have dubbed gods and monsters, uh, Supergirl woman of tomorrow. And it's described as taking its cues from the recent Tom King written miniseries. The movie promises a different take on what most think when superman's cousin comes to mind 
We will see the difference between Superman, who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents from the time he was an infant, versus Supergirl, raised on a rock, a chip off of Krypton, and who watched everyone around her die and be killed in terrible ways for the first 14 years of her life, and then come to Earth. She is much more hardcore and not the Supergirl we're used to. Now, the first thing you I'm said okay with, like, when... I'm okay with like two thirds of what that description is. Sorry, go ahead. I was say the first thing you said was like it's a, a different take on it. So immediately my mind went to Clark Kent landed in Alabama and his cousin lands there too, and it's a love story. No, that's that's not that's not the that's not the take you're going with. I'm I'm not the one making it. I mean, that sounds like something you would make. <laughs> it's a love story between cousins in Alabama. Clark Kent is super incest. But anyways, no, I know you were pretty much you were excited for to talk about Supergirl. Anyways, uh, I I'm not super well versed with Supergirl. I didn't watch any of the CW show at all. She isn't like my go to when I think DC. But I know you were a little bit more versed with her. Yeah the the TV show I think did a really good job of representing a lot of what Kara is. I know they call her Kara. I don't. I, I think they're trying to differentiate her from Carol Danvers because she was Kara Danvers or Kara Danvers. But I, I like most of what this says, which uh, I, I like the idea of differentiating the two because there is a really good talking point. I think it's in in Justice League Unlimited, but I can't remember. It could be from the Supergirl show as well, where she talks about how she was sent along with Kal-El Clark to watch over him and help raise him and teach him about Krypton as he grew up. But she got knocked into the phantom zone or whatever continuity you want to talk about where she just ends up in deep space and hypersleep. And she ended up on earth eventually and 30 years later and Cal's all grown up and he's Superman. And now Cal has to teach Kara about earth and how to integrate into a society where she is essentially a God. And I think there's, there's a really good take to be had there, especially with like the differences between what they're doing with Superman, where he's trying to find a balance between accepting who he is as a Kryptonian, but also figuring out how he blends in with earth. Whereas Kara is mostly just trying to integrate and move on with life after experiencing nothing but tragedy in her life. But the way they, they end that, opening description about how raised on a rock, a chip off of Krypton who watched everyone around her die and be killed in terrible ways for the first 14 years of her life. It sounds like we're getting like a really war torn Krypton, which I, I don't like that. Like Krypton's supposed to be a utopia. That's like, why would our planet blow up? We're, we're so great at everything we do where there's no reason for our planet to blow up. And that's why they don't believe Jor-El is because nothing but, Jorel is saying that their planet's about to blow up. So like this idea that Kara's spent the first 14 years of her life just in a like a, a war-torn country or something, like I I don't get that. Yeah, it's, that's a definitely a different take, but I mean it could be interesting. I don't know is so is this the way it's sounding it looks like Superman might be a part of this a little bit at least, possibly. I would assume they would try to work Superman into the story a little bit. It's maybe to like cap the beginning and the end of the movie but yeah i i don't know for sure but the the main thing that and maybe i'm misinterpreting what's happening here like maybe they're just talking about the end of krypton and she just saw everyone she knows blow blow up in a fiery explosion uh, of the entire planet like maybe it's just a bad way they explained it 
Um, but it just, it, the idea of her being hardcore and like on the verge of killing people without remorse, just because she is, because she, she's an immigrant or or not, I'm sorry, a refugee, not an immigrant. She's, she's a refugee in, in this scenario. Uh, she's like vengeful and hateful and she takes it out on the people around her on earth. I, I don't, I, I can I can see where you would want to lean into that, but it depends on how far into that quote unquote hardcore they're going for me that I'm like, y- you might lose me on this one because it, it sounds like they're trying to placate some of the Snyder boys like you. You want that mean stoic Superman. It's not going to be Clark, but we'll give you Kara. Yeah, that's kind of seemed like a little bit of a cop out too. like, yeah, let's make her just hormonal and angry. No, it's women. <laughs> well, I know that's one thing that Alex actually uh, has against James Gunn is that he doesn't necessarily write women very well. Uh, I don't know that I've seen enough of his work to really agree or disagree with that. Um, I do think Gamora is kind of one note, but that could be just what he's doing, like what he ended up doing with Drax. But I think um, Nebula is a little bit more well-rounded. Yeah. I guess I never really noticed, but I like you. I've only seen a few of James Gunn movies. I mean, like obviously the Scooby Doo's, um, Slither years ago. But I had to agree with you on. I don't really like the concept of her just being like crazy and killing people because reasons. You know, like oh, she's struggling to adapt. I I, I just don't really see the point of going there. That's never how I've ever actually. Maybe that's because as I'm saying this, I've never seen a Supergirl really like that. Maybe that's the whole point. Like, we've never seen a Supergirl like that. Let's do that. But at the same time, like, are you trying to... What is this? Who is this universe for? Is it for the Snyder fanboys? Like, we want a more adult kind of setting. Or is it, as a lot of other people said, the MCU is more for kids. Who, who's your target audience for this? Like, do you want her to be, like, a role model? Like, Wonder Woman kind of thing for little girls? Like, hey, look, Supergirl. Or are you just kind of taking that out route of, let's just make her mean. Like, I, I just don't really understand what his target here. I guess it's going to be something we have to wait and see anyways until it actually starts. And we, after the first movie in this new universe, where we get an actual tone of what, who they're targeting, I guess, essentially. I think that's actually a great question too, because there are properties in here, especially with the last one with Swamp Thing, where they're going to lean into a uh, a hard rated R, just because that that is James Gunn's forte with movies like Slither and Bright, and it's something that a lot of DC fans, uh, at least in the animated side of things, really enjoy. I don't necessarily enjoy a lot of those things in the DC animated movies. Uh, I also don't enjoy the over sexualization of women in those movies like if you're a woman in those movies like your boobs are out uh i mean it's it's like an an unwritten rule in those movies where if any female character your boobs are coming out at some point in the movie like batgirl's on the in the the killing joke for what 15 20 minutes and she's taking her bra off banging banging batman yeah that was a not a that was an interesting choice i guess (laughs) It was a choice to say it was the least. A choice, um, yes. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that's that is a, a really interesting question: is who who are they making these movies for? 
And if they are following the Marvel formula where each property is vital to telling the overarching story, which they have dubbed this first chapter, which the chapter may be what they're calling the phase. And then by the end of the phase or chapters, it's a book. Who, who are these chapters and who are these properties for? Because if you're not making a universal PG 13 slate of movies and properties, not everyone's going to see these. So are, is everyone really going to be able to get the full story? So I, I think that's actually a really interesting question that we're going to have to wait two and a half more years to, to find that the answer to. Yeah. Cause leading up into obviously the next thing being swamp thing, the last thing, I mean, as you said, that one is going to be borderline more that rated R because of the more horror elements to it. It's, Swamp Thing is just kind of ruthless anyway. So, I mean, going back to, like, talking about how the Creature Commandos and everything, I think that's where we see them show up, like, as, like, a live-action kind of thing. I think that's where mm-hmm. they tie that into. But it's it's just, you hear Swamp Thing being the last thing, it's like, okay, maybe they are going more for, like, the adult-oriented one. Like, I, I, just, I don't know. It's such a weird, strange lineup of characters. It's not what you typically think of like when you're picking like if you if you were to do before all these announcements like obviously superman batman those things are more than likely gonna get announced green lantern yeah but like swamp thing was not on my list of like must-have characters like especially for an established universe like he's just so i get the james gunn effect i get it but <laughs> why another thing the, the constantine movie the set the sequel did they was that even mentioned at all i know with no, that that wasn't mentioned. I know that did get greenlit, but I think that no, Constantine is DC. It is. I was gonna say I think that's Vertigo, but no, um, it is a full DC property. Um, but yeah, the, I think this was mostly just about announcing projects that weren't even in development before James Gunn and uh, Peter Serafin or whatever his name is took over. That wasn't mentioned in here, but that's probably going to fall under their Elseworlds brand with like Joker and Harley Quinn, whatever that is going to be called. Um, I know Polia, it's got a title. Polia do something French. Yeah, Tango for Two or something like that. I, I never watched Joker in the first place. Neither did I. I I didn't want to watch it. It looked stupid. So speaking of DC Universe again, which one? The mobile app. Uh, when that launched, that was actually meant to be like a, a dual service sort of thing. It's supposed to have streaming service as well as a comic subscription service to it, where you got a whole selection of backlog catalog of comics, which the way they launched that was like classic DC words. Like you get a selection of comics. So like you can get Nightwing number 12 to 16, but you don't get one to 11. And then we're also going to give you 23 to 36. Like it was just completely random and like incomplete storylines and everything. But the main thing they were launching was their streaming service, which was kind of supposed to be a a soft launch for HBO max. And uh, they had put young justice uh, Titans and swamp thing is like their three big properties that they were going to launch with it. And swamp thing was my second most anticipated thing on there because young justice was my most anticipated. Oh, of course. Uh, But swamp thing just looked looked interesting and it looked really good for a TV budget. It only went, I think eight episodes because they ran out of a budget. Wasn't it? Was it six? I thought it was only like six, six or eight. Up. Yeah. I, it, I thought it was, it was supposed to be like, I think it was supposed to be like 10 or 12 episodes. Yeah. And they had to cut it after maybe it was six. I thought it was six or eight. Um, but yeah, they had to cut it short 
and be like, film the finale because we can't do this anymore. You guys are out of money. I heard decent things about it. It was it was surprisingly good. I think the plot moved a little slow, but what they were building towards was going to be really interesting for that first season. And then they ended up having to leave it as a cliffhanger and hope that they could maybe get a budget for a season two. And unfortunately, that never happened. Unfortunate. But I, I believe that's on HBO Max, and I would recommend checking it out. I'm going to have to. Now, thinking of Swamp Thing, it leads me to believe that maybe we will be getting a Justice League Dark kind of thing down the line. Which I'm, I would be cool. Zatanna is one of my favorite DC characters, or Constantine. Matt Ryan, they just need to bring him back. He is so perfect. That show deserved a second chance, too. I don't know if you ever watched the CW, or before it was CW. I, I fell off the CW shows uh, around the time they came out with Legends of Tomorrow. I, there, there just started to be too many, and like it was every day of the week. And it was like, I got a job and a life, man. <laughs> the Constantine show was, was really interesting. I was really excited for what they were building up. And he just embodied John Constantine so well. And I thought that was an out-of-the-park casting that pretty much got wasted. But I I would like to see a big screen kind of Justice League Dark. I mean, even if we want to bring Dr. Fate back, I, which I don't know if you saw Black Adam or not. I did. I thought it was very, very fun. It was not great, but it was fun. I mean, the plot was stupid. The acting it was great. I mean, like Pierce Brosnan was fantastic as... Well, I, my biggest, I, if you want to, you can go back and listen to the, our Shazam episode, but I, I felt like there were two movies happening. There was like an X-Men movie happening with Dr. Fate and Hawkman and his, their team with the justice society. And then there, there was the, the black Adam movie. And when the two merged, it wasn't quite right, but when they were separate, they were great. I agree with that. I thought, uh, was it Aldous Hodge as uh Hawkman? He actually like, I think his name is Aldous Hodge, if that's correct, maybe. I thought he was fantastic. Like, Noah Sen- is it Noah Centino? It's Noah. I know his name is Noah. As uh, Adam Smasher, he was fun. Uh, the girl played Psycho. He was basically Spider-Man. Um, Pretty much. Aldous Hodge, yeah. Aldous Hodge, Noah Centine- Cent- Centineo. Wasn't he supposed to play... Uh, he was supposed to play He-Man. In the live was action, he? In the live-action He-Man show for Netflix. I think got oh, dumped. I mean... Thank God he didn't. I could not see him pulling off that blonde bowl cut. Uh, and then Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone, which Cyclone, like, oh man, I want a movie for her just because of that, the the way they represented her powers. Like, they were fantastic. Yeah, I, I would have rather, after watching the movie, I would much rather have been a Justice Society movie and The Rock could have just gotten the fuck out of there. I don't even give a shit. It was like, the, the story was, The Rock story was there, like whatever. I'm, I barely speak throughout the whole movie. I'm just going to be brooding. Ooh. And the Justice Society portion was actually interesting. I don't know. Like, it was a terrible movie, but, like, it just wasn't great. Yeah, that's one thing that the the Fast and the Furious movies have kind of soured me on with The Rock. Like, he's he's super charismatic, and, like, you, you love the guy the minute he opens his mouth. But this weird bleed through from the Fast and the Furious movies where, like, they work it into their contracts where okay, you throw, you threw eight punches. Well, I get to throw nine and I can never lose, but we can tie. That's fine. If you know these things, there's no real tension in any fight. Cause it's like, okay, they're either going to draw or he's going to overpower them in a eventually. And it, it like, how does, how do they resolve the fight is now a bigger question than who wins. If he, if it's a tie, how do you tie or, Oh, he's going to win because they're going to have to withdraw so they can recalibrate and get new, guns or something yeah 
going back to the original point of this being if they ever set up Justice League Dark and like add, I would like to see Dr. Fate come back. I don't know if Pierce Brosnan would be willing to come back at that point, but he, he was fantastic as Dr. Fate. Like that was a good casting right there. Like, I think you could recast Dr. Fate because the Dr. Fate is the helmet. So you could bring in Zatara Zatanna, Zatanna's dad as the new Dr. Fate, which gives you a backdoor into introducing Zatanna. That would work. Do they have the really shitty mustache? Like in a young. I mean, Justice. you have to have the tweedly months. You have to have the <laughs> tweedly mustache. I, I I think one thing that they really need to bank on is if it's going to be if they're going to have Doctor Fate, he needs to keep the helmet on. That was probably my biggest complaints about Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate is that he just kept popping it on and off, and he still had the powers. Because it wasn't and Young like, Justice. That's, that's or, not how that works. Yeah, Young Justice, right? Where you put it on, it's like, oh, yeah, you're you're stuck with it. You can't take this yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Nabu in, uh, inherited the body or inhabited the body, and he he could be like, "No, I'm not giving it back," and he had to be swayed to let it go, either through like, "This is a young person who has to live their life," or like, "They're not really someone who believes in the mystic arts, so their powers are never going to be to what you need them to be." So let them go. Uh, like in Young Justice, when he inhabited Wally that's how they were able to let him go. Like he's a kid of science. He doesn't believe in magic. So your powers are never going to be fully at their peak levels. And so they let him go. And eventually he, he took over Zatanna's dad's body because he wasn't going to let Zatanna go. That'd be interesting. I mean, it, overall, it's a pretty unique lineup of movies and shows and everything. And it's, I, I think we kind of hit it home with the who's the target audience kind of thing is the biggest what if kind of like what's going on. That's the biggest unanswered question of over anything. So I think there's some good ideas there. I mean, even I was before the announcement, I was trying to think of like just because you know James Gunn was going to throw these random names out anyways. Just think of like random people like oh I could see him like trying to make a movie out of that. Plastic Man was a, a big speculation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Animal Man was another one I heard a lot about. Metamorpho is one that I was surprised he didn't go for. Yeah, it's a that's a pretty random ass dude. <laughs> I, I know he's been talking about like well, even before all this, he did like a bunch of polls on Twitter, like, oh, who would you guys want to see? Like, Mister Terrific was one of them. And, I mean, there, you could just obviously take a bunch of random names from DC, throw it on the dartboard, and throw a dart at it, and James Gunn will probably make a good movie out of it. But it, it's just like there. Yeah. What's that? I was going to say, yeah, if they're not tied to the Bat family or Superman, you, you could pretty much just <laughs> pull anyone out of out of the lineup because, uh, I mean, that's all people really know about the DC universe is uh, who, who are the, the big seven from the Justice League, the Bat family, Superman, and then Wonder Woman. Yeah, any anyone who's not the, the seven big ones from Justice League, which again, even Aquaman, you could probably still say is CD list, even with Jason Momoa. Yeah. He did confirm though we're not going to be seeing Condiment King, be no which I'm I'm fine with. Which which I know I'm just I'm making fun of the fact of that. <laughs> Who gives a shit about Condiment King? There's probably obviously the one person that's going to listen to it and be like, I fucking love that guy. Is it the trickster? Is the one that Mark Hamill played? I can't. I don't think it's the trickster. It's something like that though. I could see him trying to bring Mark Hamill back for like a cameo to be like this out of shape supervillain that's going to get a, a one-off moment now i gotta look it up 
Yeah, the trickster. Okay, I was right. It just seemed too basic. <laughs> <laughs> That's DC for you. All right. Well, let's let's start wrapping this up. I think we have. I think we hit the nail. We we peaked when we started talking about who is the target audience. We we came to that conclusion a little late. We did. But we got there. We did. That's all that matters. That that is the important thing. It's it's the journey, not not the destination. Left the garden, dig it. <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. It just came into my head. <laughs> Thank you, Joe Dirt. <laughs> We'd have an episode of old movie reviews. Old movie reviews for comedies. We'd do Joe Dirt. There we go. I mean, last one of the last episodes you were on was that uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. That was a four or five year old movie at that point. Yeah, I guess. So you can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore scar at talking and you can follow the podcast at talking smack pod. Please join our discord. Scotty, I'm talking to you. I need an invite there, sir. I've had discord forever. I've sent you invites. Is it in the group chat on Facebook? No, it's I think I texted it to you. I don't think you did. I think you're a liar. I think I did. I think I did. I'll have to find it. But yeah, Scotty, join the discord because you'll, you'll, you'd have fun there. I don't know why you haven't already joined it. We also have a, a link to the invite in our episode description through our link tree. You can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com if you have any thoughts, questions, want to be a guest on the podcast, or we're, we put out a call to action. We're going to watch, uh, I think, next week's episode is What You Doing? And then the week after that is Ant-Man and the Wasp, or not Ant-Man, yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So if you see that before we record, uh, send us your reviews and we'll read them on the air. I'll let you know what we think about your thoughts of the movie. Thank you to Leo Allen and uh, for our musical themes. Thank you to Beppo for our original avatars, as well as Retro Ale Studios for our Ricky avatar. Please subscribe, rate, review. Thank you to everyone who reviews us every week on Good Pods. That's always fun to see all those listens, as well as everyone who has liked and reviewed us on your platform of choice, like Apple. Uh, Scotty, do you want to plug your socials, or are you going to leave those private? Yeah, I already tagged you in a post this week, so it's not like your socials aren't out there. It's pretty much just the same. It's Twitter, Scotty, don't know. I think it's, it's an extra W. I don't even know at this point. So yeah, it, I'm just holding true to my name. That's pretty much the only thing I really use anymore. <laughs> um, and I'm barely on that. But yeah, you can follow me on there if you'd like. Argue with me. Tell me I'm stupid. It's fine. My DM- Scotty, coming soon to the Talking Smack Discord. And that too. I'll be there eventually. My DMs are always open, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next week with What You Doing. Take care.
Who loves T Smack? I love T Smack. Is it true? Mm hmm. I do, I do. Ooh.